Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. Tonight you continue to explore the secrets of the diligent in this series we've We've chosen to call the critical success factors. Every guest brings a unique perspective to help us identify, based on both experience and observation, 10 enablers, 10 springboards, 10 keys to make for making significant progress in your life. So far, we've had Kubental, Kofidazi, Alip Sanam Hari, Constance Swanika, and Robert Hinson on the show tonight. In addition, number six, I bring you a man I've known for several years, probably about 20 years. And if I had to give three things that I can describe about this man, the first, in no particular order, generosity. He's a very generous person. That one I know for him, about him. Second is humor. Very interesting person. But the third one is the reason why he's here. The appetite and passion for technological innovation. This is somebody who is always exploring some new technology and how it can make life easier and i've just wondered when it would ever stop but he's always pushing the buttons and releasing something new that can enrich the lives of others many of you know him for his great work in the printing industry various dimensions and aspects aspects of it but tonight i have in the studio kobe asma the ceo of type ghana limited bringing 22 years of business experience as he shares his critical success factors with us. Kobe, welcome to Springboard. Thank you very much, Albert. Always, always good to see you. Yeah, good to see you and good to be on Springboard. Yes, yes, yes. It, I think we should do this more often. There's so much that we can we can share together. So let's start with how you spent Mother's Day. Well, Mother's Day was quite, um, quite interesting. Um, it started with my little boy, Miguel, asking, pestering the mother what to do for, for her and the mother not knowing exactly what to to, to expect and then he going into his closet trying to scribble something do a card or something then we does he have said, the, the same artistic I tell you I think he draws better than I do it's, serious? yeah it's natural and it, it amazes me at the age of eight how he likes to do that and he always gets himself into trouble because <laughs> He's drawing when he has to do other things. I know that one. Yeah, so <laughs> so the, the day has been very quiet. Um, went to church and came back, and here we are. All right, so good evening to Stephanie. I hope you're listening and enjoying this one. All right, so I talked about generosity. I talked about humor, and I'm going to settle down on, on, on one of my favorite subjects. Let me pay some respects to my, my mother, Dora Okran, and then to my second mother, Flora Wintum. That's the mother of the registrar. So I, I, I'm sure you're listening tonight. Just enjoy the show. I'll make some more dedications as we go along, but it promises to be very special. I would also like to remind our guests of our commitments for the year 2016. Continuous improvement in yourself, your value, and your strategy. So you commit yourself to become a better person in your faith, your character, and your relationships. And that will make you a better person in the area of yourself, your faith, your character, and your relationships. This week, you must do something to improve in the second area. That is your value, your value as a person. That means your brand positioning. Also, it means your leveraging. 
and then your income streams, your network, and your store of knowledge. That's the second area of improvement. The third one is strategy. Whatever you do, do it right the first time. Execute cheaper, hassle-free, and then faster, and even more importantly, more efficiently than the competition. I'm sure my guest will be throwing more light on these things. This is definitely the virtual university. We call it Springboard. And tonight, for every one of you listening out there, there is something that you can learn that would enable you, em- empower you, strengthen you to live out your dream. My guest for tonight is definitely living out his dream, and you can live out your dream as well. So, Kobe Asmod, CEO of Type Ghana Limited, is my guest for tonight. And before we even settle down to find out his 10 critical success factors, let me ask him about some questions that typically the, anyone starting a business, anyone um, who's an emerging leader will be interested in. Let me find out about a few things. First of all, what's the role of self-confidence? We're talking to you and I'm mindful that you, you've, you've built a business for over 22 years, consistently growing. What role does self-confidence play? Very critical role in it plays a very criti- critical role in the, the the building of a business. Unfortunately, this is a trait that is not common among even entrepreneurs. Um, you expect that it will it will come easily. Um, it's something that can be built, can be developed, and it's one that would take you ahead of the crowd because it takes you ahead of what you are even capable of doing. It allows you to enter the door, give you the opportunity to have access when other people don't have have access. So I think that is something that is very critical for every entrepreneur who wants to go very far. I mean, beyond entrepreneurs, I meet people who tell me, Charlie, I've always known there's something I want to do, but I don't have the the courage, the confidence to step out and do it. And people hold on to their dreams all their lives just because they just can't be confident enough to step out do you sometimes fear 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 it would come yes but when i start talking about the critical factors it's one of the things that you would want to do because prototyping is one that will take you beyond the fear that because when you prototype you you are not afraid to fail um it's like um playing with a doll or doing something that doesn't matter and you try the market, you test the market and see whether it's something that will pass. If it does, you have just a little sign of success. Then it allows you, gives you the confidence, it, it boosts you up to actually try the actual thing. So um, for me, um, it's always f- frightening to know that you're putting money out there and trying something that has a chance of failing, especially when you live in a society when, where you find a lot of people try the same thing and have failed. And you don't know the courage to, 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 to use. It also helps for you to talk to people. If you had a mentor, if you had someone who could help you, walk you through, it helps you allay the fear. Right. Okay, let, let, me, let me unpack the critical success factors. And as I do, I probably will be asking you in between them questions that are on my mind that I believe that our listeners would like us to, to ask based on the questions that they send us. But before we even settle down to them, let me find out from you, which, in your opinion, is a greater teacher, observation or experience, and why? That's a very difficult question, uh, because both. I, th- I think both. Um, there's a mix. It depends on who you are. You would have different ratios. For you. 
for me, I think that is experience. Experience has worked more for me than observation. Right. Yeah. Um, you could have 70 to 80, but you need both of them. You need to observe. You need to put your hands to the plow and work and expect that it will work. And as you do that, you keep your eyes out there and watch how it turns out. So for me, I think that is both. Right. So let's still down to you. So the reason why we're doing this series is because we want to bring together experts from various fields, people who are breaking barriers and building building their lives, building entities, making it happen in various fields and find out from them if they had the opportunity to address a gathering of hungry, determined, passionate, emerging leaders, let's say 10,000 people in one big conference, telling them what works and what doesn't work, what would you tell them will be the 10 critical success factors? And I'm going to give you a chance to take them one at a time and explain them just so our listeners can travel with us. And listeners, if you find that one of these speaks expressly to your situation, when I open the phone lines, tell me which one really, really um, addressed a critical need in your life. So, Kobe, what would the number one critical success factor be for you? Not in any particular order, but which will be number one? I think that number one is actually starting small. Why? The reason why is that small is very beautiful. Uh, Small is manageable. Small is very portable. Small is something that anybody can handle. And so I would recommend that you start your business small. Um, The motivation for every business person is ambition. And unfortunately, you find people who have appetite for ambition. And that ambition drives them to start very big with no experience. I mean, you could have all the experience in the world. You can have whatever. But the life cycle of a business poses some challenges that are attributable to a certain um, stage in the business. And so if you don't learn the rope and you think that you could start straight away, you you and and land a big job you you in for trouble for me there are several reasons why i think that you should start small one is that you need to test your assumptions and prototype once you test your assumptions you are sure that um, you will not fail everything will work out for you you stumble a couple of times but when you stumble because it's small you lose just a little Um, you make a mistake a job is rejected and then it's not a million, it's not 100,000, but it's only a 1,000. It's a lot of money, but you cry a little bit, but you recover. You recover quickly. Right. And so for me, I think that it helps you test your assumptions. So let, me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me pick up on the issue of assumptions. Do you find that sometimes before people enter projects, they are so sure they know what it takes, and then when they hit the ground, they realize that the assumptions are totally flawed? Certainly, yes. And it's the reason why I think that even when you want to start a business, you need you don't necessarily have to get into the business straight away. You need to test what you're doing by offering the solution free of charge. Get people to use it. Get feedback. Try it. Um, try to scale it up. And gradually, the feedback helps you. It's a pattern in design thinking that is very necessary. The other thing that I've also realized is that you get better gross margins with small customers than with bigger customers. You get to charge them more. They don't have a bargaining power, so they, they pay. For me, my accounts receivable is almost always the big customers, and they hold on to your, 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 your money, 
and they have the tendency of telling when they will pay. Whereas the small customers would make sure that they pay before they collect the job. And so it's very critical for you to keep a good stock of customers who are small. But Mr. Even, even, even beyond the starting point, you still need to keep them in the books. Yes, certainly. Right. I have, I have um, a situation where I remember very well, five years down the business, we um, were very proud of two major cl- customers that we had. One was giving us about 30% of our income. The other one was giving us 20%. And I did a presentation at a business growth program. And I was proud to tell them that I have two customers who are giving us a lot. Half your money. And they told us immediately that that was a risky model and that we needed to dilute the uh, customer structure. And that immediately told me that it was wrong. And it's the reason why when you see a bank, a bank will tell you to give you the list of your top customers who give you more than 10% of your income. If you have a, one single customer giving you 30% or more of your income, then you are in trouble. You, you have lost control of your customers. I'm sure somebody will provide that list happily, thinking that it will be impressive to know that those big companies giving us 30% and another one, another one 15%, not knowing that it's the other way around. Yes. You, you, you yes. present a risk. Certainly. In a, in a certain respect. Yes, certainly. Right. Certainly. Yes. right. So start small is your number one. Yes. All right. Number two? Well, for me, I think that number two is to build an anchor business. What do you call an anchor business? What I call an anchor business is a business that take, takes roots and is, can be stable. So you need to allow your business to take root and stabilize that venture. Um, the reason why I say that is that uh, many times you start a business and full of excitement, you, you start making income. Money starts coming in. And you have a friend who calls you up and tells you of new ideas. There's a trading business that is coming up. There's a microfinance that is coming up. There's farming. So you get distracted. You, the little cash that you have that you would rather use to build that business and make it stable, have good customer base, you don't focus on that. You'd rather dissipate your ca- ca- your cash into getting into other businesses, which you don't have control of. You Many times you don't even know anything about, and other people are dictating the pace. So in no time, that business that actually gave you the income to start that one is dying off because it lacks blood. Is your recommendation influenced by the model you've chosen as a person, or, or you call it a universal approach? I, I would think that it's because of the model I chose. And, I mean, I'm not saying this to say that, no, once you start a business, you don't um, start another one. But the issue is all about timing, making sure that you have a stable business. And when you are able to start run a stable business with a good customer base, the funding will come from the anchor business, which is so stable that it can fund it and give you even angel funding without even asking for interest. So you can afford to even um, lose them, that money because the business doesn't survive because of the anchor business. So it becomes right. a mother business that has tentacles, has roots, and has resilience. It can share off some of its assets and customer base, right? even with the new ones. So can, you, what, what, can we say that you're saying categorically that you wouldn't recommend rushing into diversification at the foundation stages of a business? Certainly, I would not. Right. I would not. Right. So number one, start small. Number two, build 
and establish an anchor business. Don't rush to diversify. Let's go to number three. My third, which I'm very passionate about, is that you pursue your hobby. What, what does it mean? Um, I happen to, and I'll tell you about myself. Yes. I happen to be, I have um, a design and creativity background. And by the grace of God, I come from a family of artists. And um, I didn't learn to draw or, or paint or design. It came naturally. And so for me, it's second nature. And the same for my, my, my son, Miguel. Right. Miguel would love to do that. And so for me, it was interesting to, to have people pay for me playing and enjoying it. And business right. today requires so much energy that you better enjoy the, 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 your, your, your business. Right. If you don't enjoy it, then it becomes so much of a strain on you. So I do it, I enjoy it, and people pay me for having my hobby. Right, so working is like fun for you. It's fun for me, yes. Right, so you're talking about the professional pursuit. I mean, pursue your hobby as a commercial venture. That's, yes. that's what you're talking about. Certainly. So your first three, if if you if I, I look at you, Mr. Asma, your first three are very directly about about business. I get a sense that today it's a, it's a right for those thinking about business. Sure. So if you are if you are in a not for profit, <laughs> you need to rethink. Tonight is a really about business. Can we can we juxtapose these principles and apply them in everyday life for people who are not entrepreneurs, who are not building businesses as well? Certainly. I think that it applies to everybody. Sometimes you think that these principles are for people who want to set up their own businesses. And to be honest with you, it's not everybody who will set out to run his own business. Absolutely. There are some who are farmers. There are some who are, um, I'll say... Um, entrepreneurs. Yeah, entrepreneurs. Right. Yeah. And you can save yourself a lot of pain if you don't go that route and you rather build, help build an enterprise. Right. And so you can just deposit it into any other enterprise, whether it's a business that you want to run or even in your department. Right. Yeah. Okay. So number four. The fourth one is build your capacity. I, because I told you that I was trained as a graphic designer, I didn't have any formal training in management at that time when right. I was starting the business. Right. And so I came with raw skills. And the skill, just like all other entrepreneurs who try to get into business, you have a skill, you're a doctor, you are a lawyer, you are um, an architect, and you get into business. If you don't have the critical skills that will run it, it will help you gain some customers, start the business, and have a good footing. Unfortunately, those skills would not help you stay on top. Right. Because you need some critical skills in management to be able to run it. And so when you start a business, yes, of course, that skill is very necessary. You start it, but along the way, you need to build capacity in yourself. Learn to go to school, learn to take courses, learn to read. What I do is to travel. Sometimes I go for fairs and I look at what other people are doing. I just observe. I just look at around and come back and see what I could do to my business. Let me let me let me pause here and bring on my pet subject as far as you are concerned. I mean, I've, I've always known you to be uh, somebody experimenting with or introducing. I mean, your phone, WhatsApp. Every time there's something, some new technology, something that has just come out that you are seeing, Charlie, check this one out. You can do this. You can do that. What what drives what drives that quest for for technology and innovation in your life? 
Um, that is one of the critical points that I'm coming up with because right. I think that we live in a very dynamic world. And the situation is such that you either uh, learn to know what is happening around or you perish because competition is just at your doorstep. The borders have dropped. Now, competition is not only with Ghanaian companies. It's universal. And so it's necessary for you to find what the competition is offering, what is against you, what opportunities are there, and just pick it up. And so they, because technology is at our doorstep and we have to consider it as a friend or a foe, it's better for you to get onto the technology wagon and use that to drive efficiency and drive and promote what you're doing. And that's one of the drivers that gets me into wanting always to learn through technology. Is there, is there, is there an inverse relationship between deploying technology and then developing people? That, does, does the deployment of technology mean that people lose opportunity around you? No, at all. At all. Because what it does is that it builds your capacity and allows you to do much more. So right. you, it has um, an exponential growth that brings to bear on the business. So it, for me, I don't think that you are going to lay off. I don't think that people are going to be redundant. I think that rather people are going to engage and find new ways of doing very difficult things. People would rather enjoy what they do. So technology is an aid rather than what people think that it would rather take the people's business. I'm going to find out from you how this has changed you as a person. But let's go back to, for those who just joined us on the show, it is 28 minutes past the hour of 7. If you just tuned into your virtual investor, the first four critical success factors from my guest, Kobe Asma, CEO of Type Ghana Limited. And by the way, that's a consistent Ghana Club 100 company we are talking about. Not just a beginning company. 22 years of business leadership brought to bear tonight on the discussion. Number one, start small. Number two, build an anchor business number three pursue your hobby i love that one commercialize your talent mm. and number four build capacity i mean educate yourself read a lot attend mm. first and for him he says attend first find out what people are doing best practices all around the world and bring them to bear on what you do now what would be number five on your list um before i get to number five with capacity building you need to also build capacity in your own staff in your own team right you need to identify some players within your team who would be runners with you. So you can't build capacity in yourself and leave the rest. Um, you need to build capacity in them. As well as the institution, you need to build structures in the institution so that this institution can be on its own. You put systems in place. Right. Because people come and go. But if you put your trust and confidence in people, then you will suddenly realize that people come and go and you need to retrain. But if you put systems in place, then it's like plug and play. When someone is tired and moves on, someone else comes. And so that is a structure you need to build a res resilient business that will stand the test of time. You talk about um, building personal capacity, building your people, and then building institutional capacity. Mm -hmm. Let me let me zero in on the middle one: mm -hmm. building capacity of people. Yes. And you talk about identifying runners. Yes. That's my, I've interviewed people here for for almost nine years, and I can tell you something that one of the things that many CEOs say is that sometimes the people that you you can spot who are runners are not necessarily the people who are at the very highest level. In the business, is it, is it possible? Or is it a case that sometimes the people who show the appetite, the potential, who you you can tell, will run best, 
may not necessarily be those who have been there the longest or those who are at the highest um, levels in the organization. Does it happen sometimes? You are very, very right. I mean, at all levels, it cuts across at all levels, but it also depends on the leader. I share my dream a lot. I paint a picture of where we want to get to, what kind of structure we are t- trying to buy, and allow them to buy into the dream. And so some will respond positively. Some will tell you that in the next 20 years, they know that this corporate institution is going this way. And so it's for me to acquire this knowledge. It's for me to get closer. It's for me to assist. And those people come along easily without even asking for any payment, without asking for any money. So it takes me over to the next. That is the fifth one, which is identify a mentor. Right. Um, and for me, my definition of a mentor is an experienced person you can trust, someone who can advise you, someone who you can listen to, someone must you they, admire. Must they, must they always be in your field? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. It's someone you admire because of how he's achieved something in that particular field, someone who you value a lot. In some cases, you can even have a mentor that you haven't met before. You can have a mentor who hasn't met you before even though it's always good to have um, occasional interaction with that particular mentor but it's one that helps so that he can speak into your life he is sitting outside your company he's sitting outside the institution your framework and is speaking from his perspective right i mean it can either be a, a he or a yeah she. it can be a he right. or she yes right so, so, so in this particular context, what does a mentor do, especially the mentor from outside? How would you see the mentor from outside would be a beneficial um, thing to have for a person like you? For me, I, I, I also have mentors. Right. And um, one critical thing, I, and sometimes I meet my mentor once a year and not at his call, but I just decide to sit and chat. My last experience with my mentor, for instance, I drove all the way to his office and we sat, we talked for just about 30 minutes about nothing, about what is happening around. The last two minutes of my meeting with him made all the difference in what I have been doing in the past three years. Once a year meeting? Yes. (laughs) Because I shared with him what I intended doing. He took a sheet of paper and scribbled a name and phone number and told me to go and see somebody because it was some kind of um, venture that I was looking for and I, I didn't know where to go to and I didn't go to him for that but he just scribbled something on a sheet of paper and that was the key that opened my last venture that I started right I, I won't even go into the venture but just to contextualize the level of, of which you are at um, the level where you are today how many people do you employ 105. Right. So you employ over 100 people and yet you walk over to somebody yes. and and in two minutes, let's say the first 28 minutes were like warming up and in two minutes you receive direction that can revolutionize your thinking. And so when you meet somebody who's starting out in life and, and thinks he or she doesn't need a mentor, you say, what are you talking about? Yes. <laughs> Even at the level at which you are, 22 years of experience, I mean, consistently at the Ghana Club 100 level, you need a mentor in your life. Maybe let me take a brief musical breakdown, allow you to catch your breath because when I come back, I'm going to move to the next five lessons from Mr. Kobe Asma. And if you just joined us, hey, I get to speak to Kobe and to all the CEOs and the leaders who come here and find out from them 
if they had a chance to speak to Ghana, Africa, and the world at large, what should our leaders, emerging leaders, business leaders, achievers, what should they be looking at? And so far, we have five lessons that you can work with. Start small, build an anchor business, um, pursue your hobby, build capacity that is personal, your personnel and institutional capacity. And then the fifth one, identify a mentor. Let's take the last six and then we'll allow our listeners to call in and interact with our learnings for tonight. So what will be number six, Kobe? Yeah, the, the sixth one is to respond to changes quickly. You, you touched on it a bit earlier on yes. when, when I pushed yes. you, but yes. why, why is it so critical? It's critical because of the, 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 the kind of environment that we are in. You remember the days of the communication center days? Right. Uh, when we, we all ran to, to the communication center to send an email? It, 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 they were so prevalent. Yes. Right? Everywhere. Yeah. I mean, everyone who had a child abroad would bring computers and set the parents up. Right. And then we remember the days of Check Check, which is not long ago. It's also gone. We have the days when we used to post letters. It's also gone. Um, we have the days when space to space, you, you, we, did, we couldn't have, we couldn't all have mobile phones, so you go somewhere to actually make a phone call. So the, space to space. And the phone boots. Yeah. Tailors are no more getting what they used to. Carpenters are not getting what they used to. It's a trend that has eroded those opportunities. And so for business, everybody, it doesn't matter what you have done wrong. It doesn't matter what you are doing. You are at the mercy of the weather. There are changes that would meet you, and we don't know what the change will be. Today we are sitting in a radio station, and the newspapers are also not too excited about the fact that the radio is taking a little bit of their market share, so print is going down. And my business is also suffering the same way because I used to print Christmas cards. You print thousands of Christmas cards. Now, guess how many Christmas cards I print? Next to nothing. Annual reports. They're sending them by WhatsApp as well. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> we used to print hundreds of thousands of annual reports. You remember the days of right. um, EPAC and the rest. Ask me how many they print now. Now they print less than a thousand. Because most of them are sent by email. email, yes. Right. So this is the impact of the, the, change. The, the change on our industry. And it's important for every one of us to raise our antennas and see what is attacking our businesses, what opportunities, and it's not only negative. If you can see opportunities that are coming and you quickly respond and invest in it, shift your business model a little bit so that you can take advantage in what is coming. I was going to ask you a question, but you've answered it in the last point that you made, because I was going to take you back to the second point you made about anchor business and yes. not rushing to diversify mm -hmm. and, and, and ask you whether does change necessarily mean moving from the business into a new business, but you talked about the model, the so model. you can be in the same business exactly. and change the model. Yes. Right. So that's number six. Let's go to number seven. The seventh one is one that I'm very passionate about. I mean... you said that twice. So I've yes. noted the ones you're passionate about. Certainly. There are yes. two of them. Yes. Create personal financial fulfillment and right. it has nothing to do with the business but it has everything to do with the business why do i say that because you know the biggest threat to our business is you that is the business owner right it's a kind of paradox that you tell yourself that the business is starting we don't have money and so i'm not going to pay myself any salary yet the biggest expense and the biggest cost to that business is you as a person right 
and you spend a lot on yourself yet you don't pay yourself and as a matter of fact if they give you allotted a certain amount as your salary the company will spend far less on you than your salary right and so i always advise that you pay yourself it doesn't matter how how small it is it doesn't matter when you even pay out that amount because it, ha it makes tax purposes the tax for tax purposes it's necessary for you to even post it and make sure that you have taken care of because the the the, the tax man will not say that he can't see any salary on your account he right. by all means tax you for that right and so i always advise people to pay themselves a good amount of money right now if you you pay yourself and you want to find financial independence then it means that you should find a way of identifying areas that you would invest and there are several it takes just dedication discipline commitment to ensure that regular payments are made towards a particular investment and see it grow right it doesn't take two years it doesn't take three years and I told you that I'm passionate about it because I have a model that I always encourage people to follow. Once you find those ones, it's 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 it's, um, it's easy for you to find financial freedom. And you can just imagine if the company is not depending on you to make such decisions, the the company can be free. Right. It is 14 minutes now to the hour of 8 o'clock. If you just joined us, my guest for tonight is Kobi Asma, the CEO of Type Ghana Limited, a man I've known for several years, persistent and consistent in innovation and leadership and business. And tonight you're hanging out trying to pick out lessons from him about how to build our own businesses, how to build our lives, and the 10 things that everyone seeking to make an impact to be a world changer must do and know to be able to make a difference. We are on number eight now. Kobe, what would, what would, what would number eight be? Number eight is to challenge yourself. Don't, don't be complacent. Don't just settle for what you have. Just challenge yourself, provoke yourself, and challenge what your visions. Constantly probe and challenge your own vision, your strategic focus, and your assumptions. And it's easy for you to sit on the fence and probe and criticize somebody who has ventured and has been brave enough to put his vision up and not prove yourself. You think that you're very successful today. You think that the plan that you have is working very well. But if you constantly challenge it, you suddenly realize that there are marginal changes that you can make, marginal, interesting shifts that would rather allow your vision to take shape better than the original one that you had. And sometimes I, I try to, to tell myself that I want to make excellence my, my mantra. Why do I do that? I want to go against the grain. A culture doesn't allow us. It actually accommodates mediocrity. And what this mediocrity, mediocrity is at variance with efficiency and productivity. Right. You find people come to work late, and we think that there's nothing wrong with it. You, if you steal, it means that we dismiss you, but you find out that people will come back and come and ask for forgiveness, ask for, for mercy. And so what has to be done never gets done. There's poor quality that is always associated with the Ghanaian or African business. 
There's poor delivery that is always associated with Af African enterprises. There's bad atti atti attitude to report writing and sometimes record keeping. Do, do those comments annoy you? It, it does to some extent because you, you don't plan. And we expect the best. We expect excellence. But if you have those habits, then you can't excel in what you do. So I am saying that we should decide consciously that we are going to go against the grain and do something else other than this. Right. Number nine. The ninth one is develop a strong support structure. The support structure I'm talking about is building and growing your strong relationship with God, family, and friends. Because when all is said and done, it's home that you come to, and that's where you find fulfillment. Why are we working? We are working so that we can leave an inheritance for our children and our children's children. Um, you have friends who would have time with you. And I, I have a core group that sometimes we bounce off ideas. We share some of these, our pain. We share some of, of our joy and celebrate together. Sometimes life is, is like that. You have to have fun. And so for me, number nine is to develop a strong support structure. And then the final one? And the final one is the God factor. How different is that from number nine? The, I, I, I tend to select that into one because I'm a Christian and I love to do business the God's way. Right. What's the God way of doing business? God way, God's way of doing business is actually doing the way he sees it as his work, not my work. And so you do it as he being the boss and he instructs you to do it. And so whatever he does, whatever you do, you make sure that you do it as unto the Lord. And Deuteronomy 8, 18 tells me that, Remember the Lord thy God, for it is he who giveth the power to make wealth. Right. And that is central. And Psalm 129 tells me that except the Lord builds this company, except the Lord builds this house, I will labor but to be in vain. But it will be in vain. Oh. And so for me, I think that it's important for me to recognize the source of my strength. Our society is also riddled with so much corruption and vices that the default reaction to doing anything is cheating. And so you need to build your own set of values that will guide you. And I have chosen Jesus. Some trust in chariots and some in houses, but I will always trust in the name of the Lord. What a nice way to end. Okay, so it's 51 minutes past the hour of seven. That means we have nine minutes to wrap up on this show. And what a, what a time you've had with Kobe Asma sharing with us 10 things. If you've been listening tonight, there's no way you can go wrong. Implement these seven principles in your life and you they will make a difference wherever you find yourself. Let me open the phone lines and let's receive a couple of phone calls from, from you listening out there. If any of these 10 spoke expressly to your situation, just call into the show. Let's talk. Let's find out which of them is it that is really, really touching your heart and your soul tonight. The number to call 030-221-6541 and Charlie, the phone lines are already buzzing. People want to people want to tell you something tonight. Alright, so good evening. Yeah, good evening. How are you doing? Very well, sir. You, your name? Yeah, but this is Kofi calling from Accra. Kofi, tell me, which of the, the 10 points Mr. Asma shared speaks to your situation? Well, um, I, I would want to touch on the issue about um, you know, your, the, the mentorship, you know, uh, I think that, that, that actually is, is, is revealing. But sometimes, maybe you have a mentor, 
who is not in Ghana, so how do you contact that other person? He's lucky to have his mentor in Ghana that you can just drive to and, and speak to. Uh, but the substantive issue I want to touch on has to do with, um, if you're doing business in Ghana, uh, looking at this experience, it's 22 years, the corruption and all, um, let's say you're in the printing business, to secure contracts, you know, do you have to scratch somebody's back before you, you secure? Because I've tried so many times to secure contracts from, from both the private and the, the government uh, uh, sectors, and, and, and all the time you are faced with, you know, um, have it to, you know, Alright, so wrap it up so you can get time to answer the question. So. What? Okay, so let's take the next caller so you can get some time to answer the question. Okay. Oh, Alright. Hello, good evening. Hello, good evening. Hello, good evening. Your name, Frank. where are you calling from, please? My name is Frank from NIC. Did you say Frank? Yes, sir. Alright, so Frank, your question or your comment on the, t- the 10 critical success factors? Yeah, my... It's number three. That is the hobby. Yes. yes. Pursuing your hobby. Yes. Charlie, do you and have a hobby? Yes. Do you have a hobby? Yes. What? Which is your area of interest? It, um, my hobby is um, dreaming of becoming one of the finest motivational speakers, a runner. It's a lot of things together. Because I believe that this 21st century... We need something as a natural ability that can drive us on. That is right. what some of us we lack these days. All right. You know, we have it yeah. So we Fantastic. have to sit right and work on our hobby so that we can make it to the self. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Frank. Enjoy your evening. All right, let me take one caller and I I probably have to wrap up on that. Hello, good evening. Hello, good evening, Uncle. Your name where are you calling from, please? Nuruddin. I'm calling from Enchi. My name's Ek, how are you? I'm doing very well by his grace. Fantastic. No, you didn't tell me which which is the one that is speaking to you the most. I think having a mentor and starting small. If you have to if, if I push you very hard, which one will, will you give the the the, the, the hopefully starting point? small, but the question I have is uh is it advisable to necessarily vacate a full time job to pursue an idea you have? Or it's more advisable to hold on to the two <laughs> and weigh the risk factor before you take the, the, the ultimate decision. All right. We'll take a minute to answer that one and then we'll wrap up on the show tonight. Thank you so much, Nuruddin, calling from Enchi. All right. Let's, back, let's come back into the studio. Kobe, the two questions that have come up, one of them is about how do you secure contracts and must you be corrupt? And then the second one is about... Um, I think he, he chose mentorship and starting small, but do you have to abandon yes. your your job full-time just to pursue an idea that you have? Let's take a minute to answer those ones, and it's, it's, it's time to wrap up. Okay. Um, I'll start with Kofi. Uh, Kofi asked the question about corruption. Right. Um, I think that that's the reason why the God factor comes in. You right. have to... The, the good thing about business is that you start telling yourself what you want to do. Not only that, but you tell yourself what you are not going to do. And right. it's guided by a set of values that you don't only tell yourself, but you actually communicate to everyone around you, including your customers, your clients. If they know you to be that kind of person, nobody will have even the courage to approach you and tell you that. And it means that you are paying a price. There are some clients 
who would never give you a job. But find space and time, develop products that would uh, attract other people who will give it to you anyway because you are providing a service and you the, the service that you are providing should not get you to pay somebody extra. Right. And so it's just a matter of deciding that these are a set of rules that I have set for myself. Right. And because of the, the life that I have chosen, I will not stray into that. Right. It takes a bit of time. It calls for a lot of sacrifice, but eventually pays off. Right. The other question has to Must do, you abandon your job in pursuit of your, your, your idea? Yes. Um, no, I would say no. You don't, you don't necessarily have to do that because, you see, that's where you start small. That's where you test your assumptions. That's where you prototype. You start off by lending services free of charge. Even in the organization that you're working, you think that you want to be a motivational speaker. Have you given uh, speeches free of charge? Have you? What are you doing in church? Call a set of people, give them talks free of charge, and get feedback from them. If you get feedback from them, then it makes it easier for you to see that this is worth selling. It, you will make money out of it, and it's time for you to quit. You know, we definitely must do this again because the, the 10 points you've shared have really, really provoked our listeners. And just in case you just joined us, number one, start small. Number two, build an anchor business. Number three, pursue your hobby. Number four, build your capacity. Number five, identify a mentor. Number six, respond to changes quickly. Number seven, create personal financial fulfillment. Number eight, challenge yourself. Number nine, develop a strong support structure, God, family, and friends. And then the final one, except or unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain that build it. The God factor. These are the ten keys you need to become the next Kobiasma or better still, the next yourself. God bless you. God bless you. And God bless you. My name is Albert Okran. Good night. Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert and E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences, and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus 233 Zero, zero, zero. You may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com, amazon.com, or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, always remember, you are blessed indeed. Oh, 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 oh,